Hey friends, do me a quick favor and head on over to Instagram and follow Wings with Friends. After that, go to iTunes and give us a five-star review. That would be super cool of you. If you want a free sticker, email me at wingswithfriends at gmail.com and I'll drop it in the mail for you. I'm also going to stalk you, but that's cool. <laughs> Enjoy the episode. Who never do for do? Yeah, Wings with Friends. Wings with Friends. You got to get the wings to be with the friends. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Wings with Friends. I'm your host, Mary Upchurch. Uh, We've been on a little bit of a hiatus, but I'm really excited to be back with you with another primo guest. Um, I am here virtually, FaceTime, I don't know, with Kristen Lighty. How are you? I'm doing good, given uh, everything happening. How are you? Uh, Exactly. Same. Same Z's. Um, I feel like anytime someone says good, there needs to be a little asterisk. <laughs> good. Bing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like we're in a really special uh, part of quarantine where it's 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 just been going on a while. Like it's almost the norm or something. I don't know. Yeah, we live this Jetsons life now, and it's just normal. <laughs> it's definitely not the Tiger King and stimulus check portion. <laughs> no. Oh, those were simpler times, weren't they? Yeah. I even think my TikTok has evolved to where when I first joined TikTok, it was like, you know, girls kissing their crushes and like really sweet videos. And now I'm like crying every fifth swipe. You know, I'm seeing a lot of activism, which is great, but it's a lot more serious. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm an old, so I'm not on TikTok, but I, I, you know, I replay Twitter's offerings every night before I go to sleep, and that's terrifying. Hey, I am starting to understand Twitter. <laughs> like I, I just explained, like, Twitter's where I go to be a bitch. <laughs> nice. Um, well, for um, Chris, Kristen, you are a comedian. We met at the Oak City Comedy Festival in Raleigh, North Carolina in 2019. Briefly. Like, I think we just had that one show together. Yeah. But you know what is so, it's so odd because I feel like we really, really bonded. <gasps> that is so nice. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> Thanks for saying that. Um, that was a really fun festival. Um, although that show we were on is probably the first time I decided I hate comedians who smoke during my set. <laughs> oh, yeah. That has been a thing for me for a very long time, you know, because I-, I believe comedians show love uh, with their time, you know, and yes. if they are not watching your set, that's the biggest fuck you in the world. Right. So when you're, like, going up second to last, you know, and it's like I watched all of your sets <laughs> and I, I smiled I laughed and the least you could do no and then I tell myself the minute you start expecting anybody to do anything like you've lost Barry like just do you um but you you know you watched my set and Gabe Pacheco watched my set and I felt like hey you know what that's all I need yeah, I really enjoy I saw Gabe set later on in the festival, and he's fun. It's always nice to connect with other um, politically radical folks. I love that. Oh, it is so nice. I mean, I live in a, in a super red state, and 
I, you know, it's, it is very red around here. And so it, it is nice to get out and to just talk to other people and, and not have to kind of wince or walk on eggshells. You know, I feel like I do that for audiences around here from time to time. So, uh, it's oh, yeah. definitely, it was really nice. So Kristen, introduce yourselves to my audience. Let them know, like, what do you do? Who are you? And I like to ask, what makes you so special? Oh, geez. Okay. Um, I'm so thoroughly Midwestern that question's making me tense up. Uh, so I'm, oh, my hair, whoa. Uh, I'm Kristen Lighty. I am a comedian. Um, I sort of cut my teeth in Chicago for many years and then uh, moved up to Green Bay, Wisconsin in 2018, which is where I'm originally from. And uh, it was really important to me after the Trump election, kind of reflecting on what I do in my personal life. I'm a union organizer. I've been doing that for 12 years. And I, um, you know, I just want quick, is the sound okay? Yeah, it sounds pretty good. Are you feeling okay? okay? It, yeah, it's just, uh, it's doing weird things on my end, so I wasn't sure if it was doing on your end. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. I'll just, I'll, I'm sorry, I'll start over. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> So, I'm Kristen Lighty. I'm a comedian out of Green Bay, Wisconsin. I started comedy in Chicago around 2013. Um, But then after the Trump election, I made the decision that I wanted to move back to Green Bay and work in more rural areas because I do union and community organizing. And I've been doing that for about 12 years. And, um, you know, seeing kind of like the rise of this... um, alt-right movement really inspired me to want to go work in more rural areas and and try to have you know as a white person um just try to do better work uh in those areas that's amazing and I really love how you you're walking the walk you're not just talking the talk or talking about it on twitter you want to like live those same values that you believe yeah and it's been, you know, it's been exciting. It's, there's been a lot of instances of, um, you know, different campaigns I've worked on that we've won that I feel really good about. I feel really good about a lot of the um, union organizing we've done in response to COVID-19 and what's coming up with the return to school. Um, right. And, you know, we've rallied members to come out in support of Black Lives Matter. And it's just, uh, it's been, it's been really rewarding. Oh my gosh, I love it. Such important work. I And I want to get more into, um, you know, you as a union organizer. Um, we're going to talk about that along with your comedy. But you had some pretty good wings to prepare for this show. Tell me about them. Where were they from and what kind did you have? Uh, they were from Legend Larry's, which is a local chain here. Uh, I actually put it out to Facebook. I was like, Green Bay who has the best wings that I should be eating? And everyone was like, Legend Larry's. But then my mom was like, they're almost a dollar a wing. I don't know. I don't think you should get those. <laughs> <laughs> so mom was trying to be frugal. Um, but I did. I got them. And I got, uh, they did like a mango Caribbean jerk style. Oh, wow. Yeah. I got a um, Thai chili one and then a honey barbecue. Oh, wow. You Okay, cool. So mango Caribbean jerk. You did a Thai chili, mm-hmm. and then you did a honey barbecue? Yes. Okay. I think we'll just name this episode Legend Larry's with Kristen Lighty. Oh, yeah. They would love that, I bet. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. And I always, like, tag the place like we were actually there. Um, were they, um, do you do, so I'm going to ask you your wing constitution questions right now since we're in it. But um, did you have, were they, they were bone-in wings, right? Yes. Do you prefer the drummies or the flats? You know, I thought I was drummy before this, but then eating them, I was like, I think I'm the flats now. I think I've changed. Why? What, what did it for you? Um, the, gu- the drummies were a little, like, um, I don't want to dislodge Larry, but the, the drummies were a little dry, uh-huh. and the flats just seemed more moist. Nice. Were they? And, like, there was more meat on them, too. Yes, that's what wing, like, wing uh, aficionados would tell you, probably. So you're kind of making the change. Were they breaded? <laughs> I couldn't tell. Were they just really crispy? Were they breaded? They were not breaded. Okay. Do you, um, so, okay, so drummies or flats, do you do a ranch or a blue cheese? You know, I got one of each, and I just ate them plain, actually. I didn't do any, yeah. Is that normal? Like, would you eat, do you eat wings in your real life? You know, not normally. Yeah. Um, this is my first time ever having wings as a meal, so I didn't know how many to order. (laughs) That's another one of my questions. How many did you, how many did you order and how many did you eat? (laughs) Uh, I don't want to answer that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I ordered 18 and then throughout the course of the night, I ate all of them. Oh, that's good. That's a good number. That's a meal, you know? Yeah. I have had people anywhere from like four to six, up to forty-five uh, people. Oh, wow. who, people have won wing eating cons, uh, competitions, um, stuff like that. So there's a TikTok video of somebody showing you how to eat a flat, and I have yet to try it. But he takes it, he puts it point side down, he pushes it down, pushes all the meat to the top, dips it, and then eats the whole thing off the top. <laughs> That's an art. Yes, and there is a restaurant I've been to where they do it confit style, which is basically the same thing, but they do it with a knife, I guess, and they, and then they fry them like that. So it's like a lot. They call it a lollipop. Oh um, wow, that's a good amount. Um, so do, 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 what about celery or carrots? Do you did you do a celery or carrot? Would you? I would. Um, they didn't come with any though, which I was a little surprised. I thought they would have. It happens. Um, but yeah, I love celery and carrots. So I eat them up. Yeah, um, this was a. These sound like these were all wet wings, like sauced wings. Do you have a preference between a, a a sauced wing and a dry rub? I like I like it saucy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good constitution. I can identify with that. I think that's all the question. Uh, it's like how many can you eat? Celery, or carrots, dry rub or wet? Uh, drummies or flat? So. Um, so there's your wing constitution, Kristen Lighty. Um, what is it? Does Legend Larry's uh, sell other things, or is it a wing place specifically? What, what's it like? They're most famous for their wings, and then they have shrimp done the same way, and uh, like some bar food. Like I also got jalapeno poppers, which are my favorite, and uh, they have deep fried. Oh, they ha- I didn't get them, but they have deep fried corn nuggets, which is like little bits of cream corn deep fried. Really oh good. yum! Do they have cheese curds on the menu? You know what? I don't think they do, which you, is insane. Yeah, you're in Green Bay. I know. I went to Green Bay for like a couple days for a meeting for work, 
and I had all the cheese curds. It was so good. <laughs> Did yeah. you deep deep fried or fresh? Um, I I had them both actually, and oh, I liked the okay, fresh yeah. one. The meeting I was at had like on a break they had a really nice tray, and it was like cheese, some fruit, some chocolate, and ice cream. So I guess all the good dairy, you know, and I was like, oh, I love it here. And then I would hang out with the, I hung out, it was a lot of women in this meeting. And, and we were in this hotel and some of them were staying over like I was. And they could drink. Like they were good drinkers. And I was like, this is so much fun. And I don't drink so much anymore. Uh, uh, not like that, but it was a, it was a good time. <laughs> yeah, I am a sober person, and I feel like all my days should count double up here. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. I remember that about you. I really have been, I don't know what to call it. I, I Sometimes I say exploring my sobriety. Um, I, I can't say that I, I'm sober, but I just don't really enjoy drinking that much, I think is where I'm at right now. And I'm trying to not drink just because. Yeah, I would always drink because I was bored, mm -hmm. and that's not good. I'll tell you, food is a much bigger problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, same. I got some feelings. I can eat them. Yeah. <laughs> Hence the uh, a, a wing podcast and an extended <laughs> cheese curd conversation. Hell yeah. So you're a comedian, and um, tell me a little bit more about your comedy. When did you start? So you started, you said you cut your teeth in Chicago, and then you've come back to Green Bay. And I know that area from listening to the Jackie and Lori podcast, like, um, is really robust with talent and opportunity and comedy. What's been your experience? Yeah, um, you know, work is pretty demanding, so comedy has kind of taken a little bit of the back burner. Um, there are two local venues I work with up here, the Lyric Room and the Green Room, um, and it's been really fun to, like, bring national uh comedians through so that you know like green bay wisconsin is you know it's predominantly white so it's nice to bring different narratives and perspectives to town um we also have skyline comedy club in appleton which gets a lot of huge names um so it is you know there's there's good venues up here and it's it is i miss it it's fun yeah i think um uh, it was a few months back I started listening to the Jackie and Lori podcast and really like like picturing because uh, Jackie talks about when she started and I think she started in Wisconsin, right? Yeah, um, she's from uh, Milwaukee. Yes, and so I get the uh, I get the feeling you know if you start there you're you know you're kind of doing all of Wisconsin and then you go to Minneapolis and then you go to Indiana like you're that's kind of your zone in a way and that's where she you know really kind of grew up in comedy I guess. Uh, or at least that's my impression. Yeah. And, you know, starting in Chicago kind of prepped me for, uh, you know, it was like boot camp, really. Because it's like you do multiple mics every night. You really you learn who your what your voice is. You get out there. You get your bookings. You get your tight 10. You get it down. So I feel like I got my education in Chicago, and that really helped. And then, you know, moving up here, I've been, you know, not, not to say like, I've mentored people, but I feel like I've helped younger comics a little bit in those moments. Absolutely. Like, I think that's really powerful. Like, uh, being somebody that somebody will go to, like, to ask for advice. Like, I think that is, like, um, 
we're always so humble, but if you get to that point where somebody's asking you for advice, like, I think that's a really, like, um, a nice place to be or, you know, um, when you on stage, what is your, uh, what is your voice? Like, what are your favorite things like, uh, to talk about or what's your comedy kind of centered around? Yeah, I would say, you know, I always think of it as buckets and I have different buckets that all the jokes fit into and they're really just representative of my life. You know, it's, uh, one is obviously growing up in Wisconsin and then, you know, my work, because a lot of hilarious things happen, <laughs> working picket lines and things like that. And then, um, you know, probably travel stories and spooky shit I like, um, <laughs> like horror movies, things like that. Um, and then I had my hip replaced, so I have a good chunk talking about right. like dealing with chronic pain and, and relearning how to walk and, and how to have sex as an adult with a new hip. Uh, <laughs> I think I remember that bit. It was only and a then short... dating. And dating is weird. Yeah. What's that? No, no, I'm just like, yeah. That's really great. I now I miss I miss festivals and like seeing uh, I feel like at festivals is where I would watch the most comedy. You know, and just kind of get to talk to people and bond a little bit. Because when you're at home, I notice this is like you immediately just go, right. I got to go home. I've got to work tomorrow or I need to get home. I can't drink. You know, I can't hang out. I, I've got to go home. But if I'm out of town, it's another story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's more time to devote to just be present when you're immersed in it. Um, and I, you know, I try to do that here still like stay for everyone's sets and um i think it's also just because the community is so much smaller i try to soak it up a little more yeah yeah so this pandemic has really uh done something to comedy and festivals and everything and i think we're kind of just in the middle of it i don't think it's really solved or fixed um it's also messed up like our not messed up but interfered probably with work has that are you still working during this time Oh, yeah, more than ever. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm fascinated with what you do, uh, union organizing. I did not know much about unions until my best friend, she uh, joined the IATSE union for stagehands. Um, oh, nice. When we, uh, were, we, we lived in San Diego. And so I just really, she was so passionate. And, like, I just learned a lot about it at that time. Um, but I didn't think, you know, on the level, what you're doing, like organizing, what is that like? And how did you get into it? Oh, so I got into union organizing because when I was 23, my father was involved in an industrial accident in his mill, the paper mill, Georgia Pacific, and, uh, essentially like a propane tank caught fire and turned into a missile and took out both of his legs below the knee, like shattered the bone. Um, and my uncle was working with him and luckily made a tourniquet around his knees. And then the ambulance came and took him. And essentially, they rebuilt both his legs with muscles from all over his body. And, you know, it was amazing. And scientifically, it was miraculous that he can walk again. But what happened is the company fought him on it. And uh, they, like, tried to deny his workers' comp claim and say that it was because of a third party. And uh, so basically he had to sue them and like the company sent spies on him to make sure he was really hurt. And it just, you know, I was like 23 and I didn't 
I wasn't doing a lot with my life before then. I was like a crust punk kid that just traveled and went to shows and got drunk. And, and then that happened, and it really politicized me. So I, start, I decided I was going to go to college. And I didn't actually know that union organizer was a job people could have. I was just like, I'm going to go to college, and I'm going to come out and do something for working people. And so I did that, and then moved to Chicago, and then started working for the United Food and Commercial Workers, uh, which represent packing houses and retail, and then learned more about, you know, how to do the work, how to bring people together, create proposals, do negotiations, do actions, things like that. Holy cow, Kristen. That is amazing. <laughs> Just even the first part. Whole, wow. Um, what a, what a cool, I mean, it's unfortunate that happened to your father, but like, what a cool way to go. Like, Hey, this is now what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. It did feel like, uh, you know, like the signal, like this is it. (laughs) This is it. Is it, um, this is always in the back of my mind. Is it dangerous? Um, you know, I have had, here's the thing is like, I feel like I'm really good at de-escalating situations, but now looking back at like the first six years of my career, I'm kind of like, what the hell were you doing? (laughs) Because there were some dangerous situations, like mentally unwell people and like going on house calls alone. And I can't tell you how many times I went on a house call to talk to like someone about the union and they thought it was a date and like... Or like, you know, people don't want you on their property, so they'll pull a gun and, uh, you know, sometimes things get really heated. There was this one plant we were working on down in Champaign-Urbana and people thought it would be funny to like pretend like they were trying to hit us with their cars. Um, Oh, and in Chicago, there was one work site where we were specifically told, do not go there. And I was like, why? And they told me, oh, they blew up. Frank's car and I was like okay oh my gosh (laughs) yeah so so I think that's just something like I've never really understood and allow me to ask this really maybe dumb question why do people get so angry with the idea of starting a union yeah well bosses don't want you talking to their employees because it's all about power and control Like, if we come in and get people thinking about how much the boss makes as compared to how much they make and what lack of stability they have, how they don't have any benefits, like, it's all about taking that power away from them, and they get very angry. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, So, yeah, it's essential. And, you know, it's really cute. Like, when I came out of college, I thought everyone was going to be, like, social justice. Yeah. And, like, here I am getting, like, manhandled and pushed out of work sites. And, like, (laughs) like, this isn't what I thought it'd be at all. (laughs) Unfortunately, I feel like I still have that kind of letdown, like, uh, with the 2016 election. And, like, if I just talk to people around here, I'm like, oh oh, crap, I'm not talking to somebody as woke as I thought you were, you know, or um, even some of the audiences at comedy clubs. Like, I not, I, I heard a, co- a comedian a couple of weeks ago, you know, talk about how just this time we're living in is amazing and uh, NASCAR banned the Confederate flag and 
it was just silent. And I think he was expecting people to cheer and it was just totally silent. We're like, oh, this, we're in. <laughs> oh, just, just, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's really strange. Um, and, and I think and it's weird too, like how sometimes people are afraid to be visible. Like I was doing this show in Danville, Illinois, and I talked about being a union organizer and the crowd went, silent like buttholes so tight and uh and then afterwards three of the hugest men i ever saw came up to me and they were like whispering they're like we're we're in the steel workers union and we thought that was really cool and i was like well then say it you wieners (laughs) (laughs) you wieners yeah that is that is really cool and i mean that it, it it feels very similar i'm i don't feel as like I'm not, I'll, never mind, uh, me being insecure. But um, I just feel like it's very similar to what's going on today. I think prior to a few months ago, people were, some people were afraid to stand up for, you know, Black Lives Matter or, uh, you know, just equal rights. Like it was the secret thing. And it's like, no. Like, but I, I think what everybody kind of rising up has, has helped give other people, make them feel a little more, give them strength to, to do that and, you know. Yeah. You know, I always talk about organizing and it maybe it's a little trivializing, but I feel like organizing is kind of like dancing at a wedding. Like, <laughs> you know, you, you know, you want to, but you just need one person out there doing it yeah. to show you the way. That is a great analogy. Oh my gosh. And so specifically, like you work with, uh, teachers, like, te- uh, that's kind of, is that, that's kind of your area? Yeah. I work with the Wisconsin Teachers Union. I really feel for teachers right now because, I mean, they, you know, in Arizona, we had um, a really big, you know, strike. Um, yeah, team, red for ed, baby. Yeah. And then now I feel like they're kind of going through it again, kind of being forced to go back to work before everybody's really ready. And it's creating, I don't have children, so I don't, I don't, I pay attention to it like this much, but um, I know it's a hard time for teachers and families right now. Yeah. And uh, Trump is doing a lot of posturing. He's saying, you know, and him and Betsy DeVos can just go whatever. Uh, But like they're saying kids need to be back in school. You know, they need that five days a week commitment. And it's like you that's a death sentence. If you're forcing children into these locations without following CDC guidelines, like that's irresponsible and reckless. Yeah. And right now he's also saying that he's going to try to pull federal funding uh, but what most people don't know is federal funding is 10% of state budgets, and he can't do it anyway because it's controlled by Congress. So he's right. just being a giant ass. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, like, I'm trying to be more aware every time you look at something and on the surface, oh, that sounds really good. But then you, like, look further and go, like, what is this really saying, if anything, and where did it come from? Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, the memes from, like, pa- Patriot you know, the, the, the Patriot Eagle LLC, you know, and you're like, what is that? Is that even a real place? Like you're sharing their memes, but is it really a place? Are you just spreading prop and, you know, stuff like share this. If you think the American flag should always fly high. Well, who the <laughs> hell doesn't think that? Shut Hear up. this if you love babies and America and apple pie. And I, I think I'm just really tired of the of, of that side thinking that they own patriotism because I'm like, you know what? I'm really patriotic. Um, but 
not like you idiots. No, you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's wearing on me, Kristen. Yeah, it's like a, a moral uniform that they pretend to wear. It's the same people who say they love Jesus who then, you know, turn around and shit on homeless people. And uh, it's all an act. Yeah, it's really, it's really tough. And then I, I get frustrated because I don't feel like I'm skilled enough, you know, like I'm not articulate enough you know, to express what I'm feeling or what I, you know, know. So I, you know, I get frustrated and stuff, but, uh, but I try. Um, so anyway, good stuff. Yeah, it can be hard. I mean, it's especially if something you really care about, it's hard to on the spot, you know, get your emotions in line and, you know, be able to be articulate. And like, that's something that detractors try to use a lot too, is to say, oh, you're too emotional. It's like, yeah, because they fucking care. Right. <laughs> so where does comedy fit into this? Or how do we continue as comedians in this environment? Like what, are there jokes that I've noticed there's some jokes I can't tell anymore, or I don't feel like are even funny anymore. Um, has that affected your, your standup at all? Well, before this happened, I had all these jokes about fascism and like I had a joke about a Pepsi sponsored internment camp and <laughs> and now it's like all coming true. So yeah. it's, it's kind of terrifying and I feel like part of me is always kind of like I feel like I've played this line where like I will talk about things, but then I use a reversal in the joke to make people think like, oh, I didn't think she was going to go there. Um, But I don't know. Now I feel like I want to double down harder on my more political material. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm not sure. I I feel like, you know, there are more fluffy sets I put together for clubs that'll Mm -hmm. be like, dating's weird and... And now I feel like coming out of this, I want to be like, no, you don't get dating jokes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like how you've made decisions in every other important part of your life is, no, this is what I need to do, you know, and this is this is maybe my responsibility at this point. Yeah, and I do feel like I'm very privileged in that comedy is not – Um, you know, I don't, I don't depend on it financially. It is purely an art form for me to, um, you know, I usually use comedy to work through issues I'm frustrated about. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I turn down things sometimes, um, and I feel like that's very privileged to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, I'm taking a note because I really like that about comedy work, you know, just working through things. Um, ow. I feel like there's some things I should have turned down and I didn't, and I'm like, oh, no, should I have done that? <laughs> um, but it's tricky. Yeah, a lot of times for me it'll just be, like, how I feel after I leave a venue and, um. like, <laughs> like zanies. I'll never do zanies again. <laughs> really? In Chicago? <laughs> What's that? Zanies in Chicago? Yeah. Not feeling good or you didn't have the feeling after? No. <laughs> and like their their old town booker just like couldn't jump up fast enough to book Louis C. K. Oh right. 
just like hard pass. I mean, not like they're clamoring for me anyway, but you sure. know. Um, so you're pretty active on, I'm going to say Twitter, but it all kind of connect. You have it called connected, right? Instagram and Twitter and Facebook for your jokes, or do you do separate things, posts? Um, well, you know, since moving up to Green Bay, I do test things on social media. Um, like I like Facebook more for joke testing. And if something gets like a hundred likes, then I'm like, okay, it can be a joke. Ah, that's a nice way to do it. Yeah, but like honestly, sometimes even if it doesn't get that many, I'll be like, well, I like it, so I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> right, and I think, um, how, how long have you been doing comedy? Seven years. Okay, so I that's one thing I'm trying to like, I tell myself all the time is like, if you think it's funny, do it, you know, and yeah. I, I find myself still asking for permission or asking, you know, just kind of getting an okay or getting a whatever, and the funniest thing is when I don't get the okay and I'm like, no, but I still want to do it. So it's like, then why did you ask Mary? So, um, but I think that's a good way to test things to see what kind of feedback, you know, people say, uh, there's one joke that you did on, I, I read it, I think on Instagram. Um, and it, you, you might've forgotten about it by now, but it has always stayed with me. I thought it was so funny and I think about it all the time. And I'm going to get it wrong, but it was something about how you you do like a full face of makeup or you do like a, a, a <laughs> lipstick and you hear your ancestors. What did they say? Um, <laughs> I hear them calling me a whore in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I couldn't remember because in my head it's, who do you think you are? <laughs> and I cannot wear like lipstick because of it. And that joke, um, uh, you remember the joke then, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's one that I've been meaning to do on stage again, but I just, I forgot for the longest time. So thank you for reminding me. I know. See, Kristen, you, um, to, for anybody listening, you had put something out on Twitter about, like, I would be excited to do a podcast right now. And I think it was sarcastic, <laughs> obviously. But I was like, Mary, you haven't recorded a podcast in, like, four weeks. Like, this is a sign, and you like Kristen, and that would be great. So I'm really glad you were like, yes. Yeah, I'm glad my internet whining brought us together. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I truly believe that, though. Like, if you put something out there, it will come back to you. And, um, you know, one of my highlights of 2020 to even – can you believe it? I have a highlight of 2020. No, the first few months were so great, and I was off to a good start, and I went to L.A., and I had put out there, like, hey – you know, hey, everybody, I want to do your shows. I want you on my podcast. And I was able to fill up a really nice week of, of, of doing comedy in Los Angeles, which is something I really wanted to do um, and get stage time. And just by you just got to put it out there. And I think a lot of people sometimes are too afraid to, like, just put it out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, baby. I thought 2020 was going to be my year. Like, I started out January with all headlining shows. I had my first headlining weekend at the Independent in Detroit. Oh, my God. Um, I was featuring at the Laughing Tap in Milwaukee, which is a great room. And uh, and then... Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at a big... It's a, it's a flip chart paper, and it's taped to a painting on my wall, and it was, like, all my plans so that I could look at them... You know, because I, I work also and I have to balance like my vacation time and, uh, you know, funds and everything because I usually don't make enough 
<laughs> I usually spend more than I make on shows. Uh-huh. But, um, and I was like, cool, like, am I going to have enough vacation days to do all this? And I'm looking at all the festivals I was applying to and ones I got in. And I am very close to just now everything's kind of been canceled and I'm going to tear it down. <laughs> I know, man, June was going to be so good too. I was going to do this, um, festival in Iowa that combines wrestling and comedy and it would be so fun. Uh, and I was going to be, um, hosting Eddie Pepitone with JT Habersat for oh a bunch God. of shows. They were going to headline Bird City Comedy Festival this year. <gasps> That's right. We yeah. were going to be at Bird City together. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, there's. I think I moved to downtown Phoenix so that I could do Bird City walking distance. Oh, that is <laughs> cool. I love Phoenix. It's a it, fun city. It is. It, it is pretty cool. I, um, I mean, I'm excited to live in the city because I was like, oh, I'm close to the airport and I can walk to get drunk. And I just, I haven't done any of those things. <laughs> um, but it's okay. I'm... Anyway, um, yeah, there were so many cool festivals, and most of them are canceled. I think there's, like, two I'm still holding out on. Me too. Me too. I think that's a whole segment. Like, what what got canceled for you? <laughs> I got it's an the, HBO special. Uh, no, I'm It's the new um, brag. Yeah. <laughs> All these asterisks, asterisks on your resume. It. Yeah. Oh, man. What a time. Yeah, I keep telling myself, Mary, if you want to be a comedian when this is over, just keep doing comedy. Yeah, and that's what I've been able to actually reconnect with comedy on a deeper level about why I do love it. And, you know, it'll be there for us later when we're all safe. And, you know, because that's the thing I was thinking about. Like, okay, even if I do accept a booking, I'm going to get on stage in a room full of 200 people and then not freak the fuck out. <laughs> right. Um, I think I, I forgot to keep going and say that I think I will replace this flip chart paper with something new and just kind of tilt my expectations. Um, and I have to remember, and that's why I'm so glad we're talking because every time I just do something, it makes you go, yeah, you know, you know, this is why you do this. Um, I leaned back into my podcast and said, hey, use this as an opportunity to get guests you probably couldn't get face-to-face, um, you know, across the country and uh, lots of different wings um, across the country. So I was like... <laughs> wings across America. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I would love to go on a wing road trip. Um, you know, I wanted to use it for that. And then uh, my friends and I created a YouTube show called Totally Off Topic. It's on the Broken Drift Network. And so it was like, you know, these things kind of naturally favor like a virtual environment. So kind of lean into that until you can get back on a real stage. So, yeah, that's exciting. Good for you. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) I'm also trying to promote it. So anybody listening, go ahead and subscribe to Broken Drift Network and look for our show called Totally Off Topic. It's totally fun. I could call this podcast Totally Off Topic because I feel like, uh, you know, wings are the things that bring us together. But then it just really goes from there. Yeah, yeah, you could see that. I'm actually glad we didn't do it in person though, because my face was so disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> have you have do you have any like um, stay at home like habits that you've developed or anything like have you been doing things differently since you've been at home? Um, okay. 
so like the first week of working from home, I realized I was eating lunch over the sink and typing an email with my other hand. And I was like, what are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> so I've been trying to be more intentional and strategic and slow. Ooh. As opposed to like this panic crisis response mode for everything. Um, and uh, so like I wake up and I do a little yoga and then and then I'll drink coffee and start my day as a, I'm lying. But that's what I try to do. <laughs> like, normally I will roll over and start checking emails and then just like so it's like the constant battle between those two mindsets. Okay, so that was, you just spoke to me right there because that's where I'm struggling is that I will roll out of bed and start working and I really should wake up a little bit earlier, kind of get ready. And if I could incorporate some movement in my day, I think I'll be happier. (laughs) Um, It really does mentally set you up for a better day. Yeah. Um, I'm very enclosed in this apartment. It's it's an interior-facing building, um, and I do have a little balcony, but it faces the center, like where the pool is and everything. I mean, it's lovely, but I just can't really see the outside world. And so, but it's also 114 degrees right now, so it's like I don't want to leave the house. That's um, insane. Yeah, I think I came up with a great idea last week. Didn't do it, but I had the idea of just doing laps around the interior part of the building where it's air conditioned. So I think I might do that if I can just do it and shut up. Um, <laughs> when um, I first started quarantine, I was like, yeah, I'm going to walk an hour and a half every day. I'm going to do ab exercise. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And and then like two months later, I was like, I'm sad. Um, <laughs> oh, I've got five minutes. I'm going to go lay in my bed. Yeah, have a little day cry. That'll be nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I before this all happened, I'm a trainer. Like, I teach classes to adults. And I was like, you know, it'd be great to work from home. I think I could have way more balance if I worked from home. And then, poof, it happened. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, oh, you want it? Here it is forever. <laughs> Yeah, I am hand washing um, a lot more things than I did, like my coffee cups and my tumblers, and I'm doing more face stuff, but it doesn't do anything. Like, I will always have dark circles under my eyes. I feel like it's all a trick, just to make you feel a little better. (laughs) Yeah, early, back in the Tiger King era of this, I was was doing a lot with essential oils, like in the the mist. Nice. but I have it, and I think I maybe need, should go back to that because I it kind of yeah. made me happy. I did decide to let my roots grow out, which I'm really excited about. Oh, that's good. A lot of my hair is white, so I'm going to be the neighborhood witch now. I um, I like that. I, I decided um, this was a good opportunity to stop washing my hair so much because I would nice. wash it every day because I didn't know you weren't supposed to. And oh, I'm yeah, just, you're robbing yourself of essential oils and volume. Yes. <laughs> I used to manage a salon. <laughs> what then what what is the the right amount? Like how often should somebody be washing their hair? I mean, I personally I mean, I do every day, but I'm just home and I don't care if it's flat and hay like, but like every 3 days is pretty good. Okay. One great trick a stylist taught me is just wash your front part, like 
the bang uh-huh. area, because that's where most of the grease is. Uh-huh. Okay, that's, I'm going to try that. <laughs> I even bought some, like, natural shampoo from Lush with the, it's like a bar soap, but it's a shampoo, and I'm like, oh, I'm so, so, it's growing. Lush. Yeah, it's growing. We'll see. Um, But again, I feel like this isn't the fun part of quarantine anymore, where it's new. Now it's like, just survive. Yeah, honestly, it does feel like that. Like, just get through the depression. <laughs> Oh, I'm just taking a moment of silence. Yeah, <laughs> and like what fresh hell is going to come in August when people get starting mass evictions? Is that when it will happen? I think so. Really? Why August? Uh, unemployment runs out, and um, there was something else, too, that happens. It's escaping my mind right now, but um, some kind of protection. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. not sure talking out my ass here no, it's okay. but, everyone else does why can't we <laughs> but yeah numerous articles have just uh say, stated you know august 1st is gonna be a nightmare uh, i think um okay yeah I, I mean i can go on and on and on and it is weird how everything does subtly or not so subtly connect like i feel like you know with this and the i'm i'm very focused on the um on the presidency and stuff and the and what's going on with the administration. And I feel like every, it's all connected, you know, somehow. And I don't know. Um, again, I can't articulate it. I used to listen to a podcast called Muller. She wrote, uh, it was, uh, by, um, some comedians that I, I know, and they made sense of the Mueller invested, the Russia investigation. So it was a really good way to like, Oh, thank you. Like help me keep it all straight. And it, it's ended. Um, and now I kind of wish they would just start it over with this new, you know, era of, they have a daily podcast. I should listen to that, but it's fantastic. So, um, I need that to help sort it out for me. Yeah. Well, with Trump pardoning stone, it's kind of (laughs) like, what (laughs) do we even have laws? No. Okay. Right. Right. Um, okay. I don't mean to be such a bummer. I think maybe I'm, I've gotten kind of melancholy. I'm always a bummer. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Lean into it. <laughs> um, so you, one thing I, I noticed, I don't know if this is new or not, but you have a boyfriend now. I do. Where yes. did you get one of those? And what does it feel um, like to change your relationship status? So, yeah. Um, this is actually my first stab at monogamy in a very long time. Um, which that feels kind of exciting um, because I feel okay with it and happy about it. Uh, But we met in, um, we actually worked together at the very first union I worked for, and I thought he hated me. Um, He would never talk to me. He would, like, always look at the ground. And so uh, last September we started talking on Twitter and we started chatting, and, you know, it had been years since we worked together. And I was like, oh, here's my number if you want to chat sometime. This was really nice. And I was like, it was so funny because I always thought you hated me. And he was like, I had a crush on you. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. Yeah, I but I was married back then. Oh. So, um, you know, it just it didn't work out. And honestly, timing-wise, like, I was such a monster back then. Like, I probably would have, like done something really bad and mean and (laughs) (laughs) you were a monster oh I was like 
like like go to a party with someone and make out with someone else type uh, monster like I know. that's funny I feel like I've met a few monsters <laughs> I'm not uh, so my my big thing was I, I was an alcoholic that used people to distract me from you know looking inwardly and facing any of my own shit so sorry to everyone I dated (laughs) oh my gosh that is just so you must have spent a lot of money in therapy to get to that conclusion I have that's so good it works it did and now I feel like I feel like a rescue honestly dating too because like he does things like bring me flowers or buy me a birthday present and I'll be like no one's ever done that and he's like that's sad (laughs) oh that is so sweet it's probably really nice to know that you could do something for somebody and you know they're gonna love it like the smallest sweetest thing they're just gonna appreciate it so that's what's nice about rescues yeah yeah I am very easy to please (laughs) (laughs) maybe oh I came to the realization uh, during this pan- the, the early part of the pandemic that I, I'm now 42. I was 41 in the beginning of the pandemic, but that I have never really had a serious boyfriend. And it makes me want to cry to say it out loud. I'm like, oh, my God. What's- I don't know. Uh, so... You know, though, I mean, this is a period of reflection, and if that's something you want, you know, I I kind of feel like maybe you haven't had it because that's not where you put your energy. So, like, maybe you weren't ready for it. I saw this really great meme that was, like, it talked about a bunch of things, but one of them was normalized falling in love in your 40s, and I was like, yeah. Oh, I like that. You know what? I, I, I am totally open to, to what you just said there. I think that that's probably probably true um I guess I think I have I think I have some more reflecting to do too about it but um um I you know that made me think about I miss I feel like they just don't make enough romantic comedies like I want the romantic comedy to come back but like better you know um someone great on Netflix have you seen that movie no it's all of about it's about a breakup and then platonic love between friends and I feel like that is the new answer to the rom-com oh. and I really like it um I'll have to check that out um yeah you I mean I know rom-coms are problematic or have been problematic but I think I you know what? I think I just need to write one that's what uh you know maybe the universe is saying if there's something out there you don't see that you want it's like maybe you have to create it I would watch your rom-com for <gasps> sure. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I do feel like I do, I'm, I'm in I a do rom- love rom-coms when I'm sick. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's just simple and easy and nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, now the more I think about it, um, Sweet Home Alabama does not hold up very well anymore. Uh, <laughs> it's very problematic. Um, I haven't seen that. Oh, don't. Uh, and... <laughs> Uh, how to lose a guy in 10 days is just awful. <laughs> like, it's so terrible. They are terrible. Um, I do like to laugh at how we thought certain, like their outfits, like, oh my gosh, that girl is so cool. You know, like <laughs> Reese Witherspoon in that like bow shirt. Anyways, um, I digress. So we'll see what happens. That's, 
You know, the movie I did love was Singles. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Was that Janine Garofalo? Oh, no, that was Reality Bites, which was also fun. Was it uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh? No. Singles. Kira Sedgwick uh, and Jane, not Jane, Bridget Fonda. Bridget Fonda. Okay, you know, I'm sorry. I was confusing with her with her stalker in Single White Female. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a while. I should go back to that because I think when it came out, I I mean, I remember watching it and wanting to like it, but I was a little too young for it. Like, I didn't fully get it. But now, same thing with Reality Bites. Like, I really, I'm in the weird, you know, crack between Gen X and whatever came next. So, like, now I, you know, we're, now I'm too old for it. But, Kristen, I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Kristen, what are your hopes and dreams? Uh, I know we're in a weird place right now, but let's say things kind of get back on track. Let's say 2021. What do you want out of comedy, out of life um, in the next one to three years? Yeah. So, oh man, I want to be able to see my friends again. I want to do lineups with them. I want to tour with them. I, um, I really, so in January I had a bunch of headlining shows and I really want to nail that 45 minute piece. Um, what else? I'm actually, I'm working on a book of essays that, cause I, I love writing and I was like, well, who would want to read my writing? And then I was like, well, maybe people who enjoy my show. So I was like, I want to have the book done so that when I can tour, I'll have it with me. And, um, well, you know, one thing I always love about shows is people always come up to me afterwards and want to talk about how to start a union in their workplace. And that to me is like, awesome. Like, I love sharing that knowledge. Um, I miss that a lot. Um, I I just like, yeah. The connection. Yeah, I miss the connection. I feel like half of me is missing with having to live at home and Zoom shows. Um, you know, it just it feels uh, a little weird. It's really great format for interviewing people, but I don't know. It's just not the same as live stand-up. Oh, totally. Okay, hold on. A couple things you said there that I wanted to comment on because when you were talking about shows, um, I've been thinking a lot about, like, I love when you get that audience of people who really like you, uh, to say it as simply as possible. Like, you get your ideal audience or, or at least, you know, your fans. Um, and, the, and, and for me, it's been when I'm opening for somebody else and I'm like, oh, that person's fans really like me. And just that feeling when they just, they want to say hi and they, they want to hug you, which, you uh-huh. know, can probably never happen again. But <laughs> yeah. You're like, that's, yeah. that is the most rewarding thing. And sometimes, a lot of times, I'll do shows, and this is what I don't like about guest sets, but like, even recently, you know, doing shows where it's not really my audience, um, and I know I'm not, I can't blame the audience, but it's like, you know, when it's like, hey, this is my audience. Um, just mm-hmm. not having that rewarding feeling, and I'm like, wait a second, Mary, there's, you've had, sh- <laughs> I, again, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Just no, I get it. I, I, I featured for Chris Fairbanks right before everything went to shit. And, like, his audience is, like, mainly women yeah. and women who love murder and fucked up shit. And they loved me. And I loved them. And, like, I, 
it felt like a warm bath. I was like, yes. I, was, I was closing on a headliner that was not perfected yet. And they were like, yes, we're in it. It was just like, <sighs> yeah. And I, I think when I, when I do a show here or there and it's not that, it makes me question everything. But then when you're in one of those, you're like, no, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and, and this is all, this is right. Um, in my day job, I, I teach basically salespeople and we talk a lot about finding your ideal client. And I'm trying to apply that to comedy because you know what? I don't need Joe Rogan's audience or these oh God, no. super, <laughs> yeah, no, these super popular, you know, with raving fans. Like I don't need their audience. I need 200 a night of my fans or, you know, like my people of, 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 um, um, I'm sorry, Chris Fairbanks' audience. You know what I mean? Like, I don't uh-huh. need everybody. I need, like, this many. And I and I think that's an interesting way to look at it because then you kind of stop trying to be all things to all people and go, no, this is my audience. No, and I do feel like, like, when I was earlier in my career, there would be nights where I was like, oh, man, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't funny enough. They didn't like me. And, and now I reached a point where it's like, I know who I am. I am confident on stage and they might just not care for me. <laughs> not yeah. okay with that. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. I think uh, it's always good for me to hear, but I think the people who listen to this podcast too, it's like, Hey, you need to hear that too. You know? So, mm-hmm. um, see, I am not everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. And that's fine. Because the people who I am their cup of tea, like, I love them. You know, they're my favorite people. They are the best. Um, so, yeah. Oh, here's my little wish for comedy when it comes back. Um, thanks so much, Kristen, for, for meeting up with me. Um, any last, where can people find you and, and any last comments that, like, did we miss anything? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kristen Lighty. Uh, in the future, when there are shows again, KristenLighty.com will have those. Um, yeah, hopefully I'll have this book done next year. And um, yeah, I, I guess my apartment for now. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm so excited about this book. Like, I think these this is the perfect time to work on these projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Well, thank you for being here with me. Everybody, thank you for tuning in to Wings with Friends. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.